welcome to the third episode of the Boundary Objects podcast. It's just me, Amy Barnes, talking to you today. I'm editing this or recording this on a Saturday evening in my flat. So apologies for any outside noise that you can hear. That's just uh, a Saturday night in Leicester going on outside my window. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Recently, Kerry, Kerry Jones and uh, several other Boundary Object members have been involved in an AHRC funded project called Research in Translation and this is a project which was designed as a training programme for early career researchers in arts and humanities and the social sciences to learn about communicating their research to the general public through exhibition. And so in a series of workshops over the last year or so, a group of early career researchers have been working closely with museum practitioners, design professionals and museologists to learn skills and techniques for developing effective museum exhibitions or displays um, as a way of presenting their research to a wider range of audiences. And so the the actual programme was led by Kerry Jones um, and Serena Yervelino, who is from uh, UCL Qatar. And of course, Kerry is from uh, Research Centre for Museums and Galleries at the School of Museum Studies in Leicester, as as of course you all know. And uh, it was developed in collaboration with Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery, the Ironbridge International Institute for Cultural Heritage at the University of Birmingham, and the International Design Consultancies, Land Design Studio and Metaphor. And as I said, it was funded by the HRC through the Collaborative Skills Development ECR-led call. Now, the exhibition, The Fruits of Everyone's Labours, was finally launched last Thursday. So the week before that saw a lot of fevered exhibition installation and last minute tweaks and uh, quite a few of the participants were able to come to Leicester to help mount their exhibitions which was great to see everybody again and the exhibition was launched in a project wrap-up event on Thursday evening. So what we've recorded for you today is a bit of a discussion that took place uh, before the official launch where some of the participants and the mentors got together to discuss how the project progressed and some thoughts and uh, initial comments they had about its success, benefits of their research, um, its potential impact and, and where the project might go in the future. And we thought it might be interesting for people to uh, hear that discussion um, and see what people said. So please be aware we were recording in a, a fairly large room and so the sound quality isn't always brilliant, but um, I'm delighted that we managed to pick up the, the voices of everybody who um, contributed to the discussion. So you're going to hear from Kerry Jones, as I said, from RCMG at the University of Leicester, from Serena Ervelino from UCL Qatar, uh, Suzanne McLeod, who is head of the School of Museum Studies and the mentor for the project, Tia Fothergill, who was a participant from the School of Archaeology at the University of Leicester, Elaine Farrell from uh, Queen's University Belfast, Hannah Field from the University of Lincoln, and Jennifer Forburn from Newcastle University. They were all participants in the project. You'll also hear from Catherine Hendrick, 
from the University of Leicester, I should say newly doctored Katharina Hendrick, Pippa Sheriff, who is a former museum professional, and yours truly, briefly, and me, Katharina, and Pippa were representing the mentors of the project. Okay, so I hope you enjoy the discussion. Yes, I'll start if that's okay. Yes, yeah. you can start. Okay, um, yeah, I'm just going to ask some questions. Um, sorry, I haven't learnt these, but um, I'm just going to ask Serena, <laughs> put you on the spot. <laughs> okay. How do you feel that the participants from different disciplinary backgrounds responded to our invitation to think creatively about how they might present their research to the public? Okay. I think there was a mix of uh, disciplinary background that was impacting upon their capacity of thinking in a visual manner, and sometimes that was really related to which kind of data they had collected um, and which kind of you know materials they brought uh, to the exhibition process. So some some for some was much more you know much more kind of straightforward to think visually, um, and you know you can see. Um, this, for instance, in the case of Elaine, uh, our uh, of you know our, one of our participants that you know uses uh, an archival an archive and has worked with photographs. So there was this kind of uh, possibly um, you know natural kind of uh, uh, interest or engagement with the visual world. Um, but uh, for me, it was mostly sometimes also about personalities. So um, it was about how can I think outside the box and what it means to do this when I possibly have not, never done so. Um, so there were some that possibly were much more willing to take risks um, and to really try out different ideas. Um, so I would say that there was an element of uh, disciplines and possibly methodologies and uh, data uh, that uh, you know, kind of enabled some of our participants to really engage with the process much, much more, more, much more in an immediate way. Uh, but it was interesting uh, also to notice, for instance, some of those that were kind of a little bit of a worry for us because we felt at the beginning that they were struggling. Uh, some actually came up with very, very beautiful, stunning visual ideas. So we really, f I feel that uh, it was kind of. Uh, uh, a process, and those that were willing to go through the challenge and to kind of think outside the box may also um, have been able to create something that was very visual and very stunning, uh, even though, um, you know, naturally, in terms of their training, they were not really thinking the way to start with. So I do feel that disciplines do affect uh, the ways in which we kind of think about our own research and whether we think about it in a visual or non-visual manner. But I do also think it's also about personalities uh, and we wish to, I mean, the wish that you might have to really push your own discipline and push the boundaries of the discipline in which you operate. Perhaps we can ask some of the participants as well. How did you feel about having to think in a visual way um, with your research? I, I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was... Not just thinking in a visual way, but thinking in a practical way. As yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. So that you can envision all sorts of things, but will mm. you actually be able to um, mm. fabricate them, I suppose? Um, and yeah. so that aspect of it was something that I enjoyed um, to be given the freedom to start off with a really large idea and then to think about how I could try That's to make it work. Yeah. yeah. Somebody else wants to add something? No. Tia? <laughs> Tia is looking. <laughs> 
Um, I'm not a visual person. I don't learn that way. I never have. I need to either hear something repeatedly or do it lots of times. Seeing things doesn't mean anything. My exhibit went up and I went, I guess it looks good. I'm happy that this is up. Okay. You know, and, and, but other people's exhibits that are more interactive and less visual, like, oh, there's a drama I can bang on. That's fantastic. <laughs> Which is much more exciting for me. Um, and also the ones that sort of force interaction through mirrors and other devices that's and, and iPads, things like that, are great, which is why I incorporated the QR codes and things like that sort of saved it for me because thinking visually is it's not easy. Mm. Um, it's, it's very, very challenging. I don't process the world yeah. in the same but way. It's, <laughs> it's interesting that you wanted to actually do this because if you felt that uh, it was too much for you, oh, you I couldn't thought, do it. I thought yeah. I could learn something and I have, so... Because your images are really striking. If, if everyone, um, Tears is the one untold innovators, which is downstairs, <laughs> yes. um, which looks at um, women. Do you want to? It's those. Yeah. Um, I'm an archaeologist. I work with material culture. I especially work with bones. So working with images, working with text is not really something that I do naturally or kind of comes to me as sort of something as a default in any way. There's very little, I mean, and this is something that's been demonstrated in other museums, is the, when you look for women, you often just find blank spaces where they ought to be. Um, and there was a really, I'd been discouraged from pursuing the role of women in animal husbandry on an archaeological level from lots of different angles. Like, oh, well, it's not interesting. Oh, you'll never find them. Oh, well, it's not important. And, you know, it doesn't really matter. So this was independent research. It was something I did myself, um, not you know, under contract for anything or, or as part of something else. It links in with what I do with animal bones, but it's not sort of a core research theme. It it's quite exciting for <laughs> us to have that sort of very interesting... It's your passion, isn't it? Or in well, yeah, and that might interest. have made me a real pig to work with. <laughs> so it was interesting because what we wanted to do was really to push you know, our researchers to, to really think outside the box, to do what they wanted to do. And then there was, you know, sometimes just a voice that tells you, no, you have to stick with the norm. And then yes. you kind of feel that you have to. And so uh, I think that what you're saying, the mentorship, mm -hmm. the structure helped you to say, okay, I, I'm going to pursue it. The mentorship was critical in, in, in terms of support and kind of encouragement. Should we move on to the next question? I want to ask this to our participants, so which, whichever of you wants to reply or... So what were your expectations when you applied for the project? Uh, so what, what did you think you would have gained? Can you just share with us? Um, I can't even remember um, when I first came across the, the, sort of, um, the invitation to, to apply. Um, I suppose for me, like I did art history um, for my undergrad degree, and I always feel like I never get to do anything with art history. So for me it was sort of, okay, here's some way I could work with the visual but I didn't really know beyond that and in a way I'm glad because I didn't have these high expectations so everything we did was absolutely brilliant so from the very first meeting I think when we met outside Boots um, in the train station <laughs> just, it just went from there every person we had who came to speak to us was so inspiring it was just one person after the next and then I think when I came back in January, and also, I should say, it was also because of the people who were involved with the project. So it was that there was this whole group. There was nobody who you felt like, oh, you don't get on with them, or that um, was problematic. Like, the whole group worked really, really well together. 
and then coming back in January, I had higher expectations because I wanted to see everybody again. I wanted to hear about their projects, hear about their ideas. And I knew we had had such good speakers previously. And then again, just the people that we had, it again worked really, really well. So yeah, like I say, I had, had no expectations and uh, it surpassed all of them. <laughs> Somebody else wants to add something? I think I just wanted a different um, viewpoint on what impact might mean because I feel like it can often be somewhat um, retrofitted so that it's not the, it's not the start of, of, of the process um, but kind of afterward trying to think about how you could cook it up which I really don't like that idea. So, so I like the idea of sort of thinking about actually how you could do something that would be intrinsically engaging and um, impactful like an exhibition display rather than um, thinking you know, afterwards, work, yeah, 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 about what, which is possibly a tendency we have now. You know, we produce our fantastic pieces of research, and then we think, how we, do we make it relevant? How do we translate so that possibly was embedded at the beginning, or that was the attempt? So I want to ask Suzanne, really. Um, how, what's your perspective on the project? How did you see it developing from when we came to you with our initial idea, which was probably very rough and didn't make much sense, to where we are now? Do you have any thoughts on? the process that we went through and, and you went through as our mentor. Yeah, I mean, I love that you keep describing me as your mentor because actually it was very light touch. They didn't need... They didn't we need felt like mentoring. we needed you, actually. Well, from my perspective, it didn't, it didn't feel like that at all. Yeah. And the application was in good shape and we tweaked things and we put lots more design in there and yeah. uh, did all sorts of things. But actually the project was a great project because it's a lovely, simple idea, isn't it? And it's an important idea about how you translate research and empowering people to think about communicating research differently. Um, it's a really strong, simple idea, and that was there right from the beginning, you know. Um, and then going through the process, I was very hands-on, <coughs> and Kerry and Sorella led everything, um, and then were very kind and allowed me and colleagues to come in um, and run this uh, fantastic design workshop, which normally we would run with professionals and um, so it was a totally new thing to run it with people who were looking at us and saying what, what is that <laughs> and say that again um, but actually the process was no different, the experience was no different um, and it was all about the ideas and the challenge always of, of finding that really simple idea that's really compelling and then being brave enough to try and communicate that through a, through a range of media yeah, no, we, we, were, we felt very fortunate to be able to work with designers of that calibre and, and with yourself as well. It was really exciting. Well, it was when fun, we had it was fun for us as well. Mm. It, was, mm. it was brilliant to work with everybody and exciting to hear such a diverse range of research as well because mm. I think that's one of the things that this project's done is it's brought a really interesting group of people together. So it's really good to hear that it's been a, an enjoyable process and, and project to work on as well. And then I didn't do any addition, anything additional uh, from that point through to, I think, Kerry brought some uh, drawings to show me, yeah. where, which was really a conversation much more about what goes where in the building. Um, so it's been fantastic over the last couple of days to come walk through the building and see things begin to appear that you vaguely recognise from the design class. So some ideas are still there, 
like yours was very you, you're very clear mm. right at the start what you wanted to do and it's almost as though it's appeared there in the case, which I'm sure there was a lot of work in between um, but you've made it look very simple you know so um, yeah just just incredibly enjoyable and I might not get another chance so really I mean everybody's worked really hard but we should say massive congratulations to Carol and Serena yeah but I think we'd probably all want a moment to say uh, say well done to you too as well thank you it was fun. It was fun. But for me, it was uh, interesting to see their faces when suddenly the display was up. And it was like, oh, see, you know? Sometimes you don't believe that you could, you know, do something and suddenly it's there. It's kind of, oh, I made it. So it's fantastic to That's see That's why this. I needed to get the blight to make sure that it's really real. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it was good that you, you came over from... Uh, Ireland, so thank you. Well, I think Elaine's was one of the hardest, wasn't it, to actually do practically because we went through about three different ways, three different types of material. Was, but luckily, we managed to do the original idea, idea in the end. Yeah. And sometimes it was also the practicality of putting it together. You mm. thought you couldn't do something, and that actually you could. So yeah. that was a case, um, an example. So I, I just want to ask. Uh, New participant. Let's ask Jennifer because she hasn't <laughs> spoken so far. Um, so, as I mentioned, you took part in two very different workshops. Can you just tell us how how did you feel after each one, and you know whether you you felt that each one was pushing different kind of aspects of your research or different aspects of you know different ideas about how to present it. So. Um, sure, yeah. So I thought they were both really, really interesting in very different ways. So I liked the introductory workshop because I came into this with no idea of what we were going to be doing and how I was going to take a linguistics project and turn it into something people can look at. Because I look at words and I count things. I don't make displays um, till now. Um, and so it was really interesting just to get a really basic understanding of just how complicated a museum display actually is, because I didn't realize all of the little details and how much thought you had to put into just font size and font style and layout and things like that. So I found it very eye-opening and also a little scary, because then I realized, oh, I have to do this in <laughs> three months. I have to start thinking about it. Um, the one with the designers, in, the one in January, was really more, it was more challenging for me, because I'm not really a visual person. I'm more like tier in this sense. So. Um, it was it was very it was really interesting, very engaging. The designers were really great, but it was very challenging for me to try to come up with a way to design something. And because I I count things, I run stats. <laughs> um, this is as far from stats as I think I've ever been. <laughs> um, so the idea and that is terrifying. of being creative, <laughs> terrifying, being creative. Um, it was really inspirational, particularly seeing what the other participants were doing. I was like, oh. Well, for some people, it's like, like Hannah, she came and she's like, this is my idea. I was like, I don't feel prepared to be here. <laughs> she has such a and, you know, you, I think, Elaine, you came in, too, with a pretty clear idea of what you were going to do. Um, and then I was there saying, like, oh, this idea is terrible of mine. This one's not going to work. This one's not going to work. Um, but it all came together sort of over, over the course of the next few months with the mentors. So it was, it was So what, when do you think it started coming together? When did you start feeling confident that something was... About two hours ago. No, but after some back and forth with Adam, who was a, a really lovely mentor, I started to, I felt started to feel more secure about my idea as being sort of a legitimate exhibition that people might actually look at, as opposed to just a mirror where they're going to fix their hair. Mm. 
<laughs> you keep saying that this might be used also for fixing yeah. us. Yeah. But, uh, but <laughs> anybody wants to add something about you know the workshops and whether you have any comments? I think with the first one, because um, going in, like I, I wasn't sure how what the exhibition was actually going to be like at the end. But I think going into that first workshop, um, or at the end of that, I sort of felt like actually we can do anything because what had been presented was, you know, what you can do with all of this money or what you can do in with these various spaces. So I think that's why, and I, I would um, agree with Jennifer about, uh, you know, that the, the second workshop, then it became scary because it's like, okay, now we have to think about budget. Now we have to think about space. So it's become a more of a reality. Um, so I think that was the difference uh, between the two. Thank you. So I want to ask the mentors, because we haven't asked them anything yet. What were the main challenges of working on this project? <laughs> I didn't come to the first workshop. So I was a lately recruited uh, mentor, but I came to the one in January. Certainly for one of my um, mentees, I think uh, what happened at, at that creative workshop uh, was that one, my one well, my one mentee? She just had so many ideas, so much creativity. I mean, we could say she was with the right person or the wrong person because I just got flooded into it. Or, or what me and Irina weren't going to do, and hopefully, you know, really sort of like trying to enable and push creativity. But of course, there's always this little bell. Gosh, there are, do you know what I mean, the practical sort of things, really. There's always that nod of practicality so as well as creativity. Creativity can, sometimes can be actually a problem. Exactly, yes. <laughs> no, they were really <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah. Were there any challenges? Maybe there well, were. Well, you, you, had, you, had you had a very, very strong vision of what you wanted to do right from the beginning, really. And so you were. It didn't feel that way to me. Well, you seemed <laughs> quite. You seemed quite assured. Like you felt. You seemed quite confident about what you were doing. So it was. It was just a question of. You had the odd question and got in touch and we sort of just sorted yeah. it out, didn't we? Um, I think. I, I can't think of any specific challenges. Because I think for me it was sort of. Because I'm not in this field, you know, I go to museums and I see things, but I don't know what has happened behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I think. It was challenging then to to think about what, what's practical here. You know, having to think about fire exits or policies of museums. You know, um, or in the the space that we have here. And so I think that Amy was brilliant at um, showing me what has been done elsewhere. You know, sort of temporary exhibitions or or um, what, how other people have got around particular problems. So I, to me, um, that was sort of that was really encouraging. Katharina, anything to add? Well, my mentee is Cynthia, and she's looking at a very, very precious object, which is ancient manuscripts. So one of the biggest challenges was, we definitely didn't want a case, like you were saying earlier, but um, I think one of the things that came through from the design exercise was keeping the idea simple as a coherent story that would engage a visitor who doesn't know anything about their subject. And uh, Cynthia knows her subject exceptionally well, but the thing was that I think she was hesitant because she wasn't quite sure what she could do with her project. Mm-hmm. So um, my challenge or my opportunity, I suppose, was to try and give that sense of encouragement 
to, to be able to have an outlet for her ideas or questions and to think through some of those practical challenges but the creative opportunities that she could use in this space to just do whatever she wanted, to take a risk, to have the freedom to try something, okay if it doesn't work we'll try it in another way and I think that opportunity to let the person who's got their specialism just to have that freedom of creativity um, but to be supportive in a way that you can step in and give some solutions or think about things in a different way for that, that mentee. So I have a question for the participants. Um, so how do you think the project has impacted on your own research? Uh, so to what extent has it opened uh, new research avenues if it has opened uh, or it has enabled you to think about your research differently if it has? It has made me less afraid of engaging with the visual aspect of my research, which is photographs and radiographs. And so the tendency is to just sort of, here's the photo of my bone, the pathology is self-evident, okay, I'll put an orange circle around it, fine, there, you can see it, can't you? <laughs> but now I will actually, I have had to, I've, I've been forced to learn how to deal with Photoshop, which is terrifying. Um, and now I'll take the bone, I'll make a nice outline around it, I'll put black there, I'll make sure the lighting is correct and sort of, I'll make it look really nice and now I know how to use scales and things like that and I can actually make something which is quite visually attractive and what goes in a science article. And that's been really kind of nice to sort of compare the types of images that I produce for publication before this workshop and the types of images I produce now. Um, so that has been the most sort of evident benefit for me. In a way, I think it, because translating the research into the, uh, into the museum exhibition, um, or into the, the exhibition, I sort of felt like I really need to, to simplify my idea. So in a way, I feel like with my research as well, I'm simplifying you know, what the book is going to be. So I can have the complexities, but actually the argument of the book would be the same as if I was actually pre presenting it in the form of an exhibition. Actually, I would add something about that because uh, for a couple of our main, um, participants, particularly for yours, I guess, there was actually um, a, um, you know, they engaged in a new uh, research kind of process. It was a small mm -hmm. process, but uh, for instance, Irene started looking at different riots, yeah, yes. and uh, uh, I mean, maybe you want to share this a little bit with the public, and also Emma, I think she had never been looking at war memorials uh, or shrines, mm. uh, she, she was looking at, can so you, can you, can well, you tell more? Okay, well, um, Irina, um, her, um, her PhD research um, was actually the Romanian uprising, peasant uprising of 1907. But uh, for her display, Irene, uh, she um, looking at engaging the audience of um, of how um, uprisings, riots, how they're sort of projected, if you like, is often not actually what happened on the ground. So I mean, that's more easy, I suppose, to to sort of see more recently because of media and technology. Yeah, but the you know there's there's sort of the difference between what actually happened and what these purported and to have happened and so she felt to do that not just not just to concentrate on uh, the peasant the Romanian peasant uprising of 1907 decided 
the best thing to do, or the way forward, was to compare and contrast with two other, we decided only two other riot situations. Uh, so in the end, we, we sort of looked for, because uh, uh, that was two, uh, 1907, so then we went for uh, her most recent one were the London riots of 2011, uh, and then we went for, a, we had quite a variety of mid-marker ones, but um, in the end we went for the Detroit uh, riots of uh, 1967, I think it was, um, and to make this into, so sort of, like she was doing it as a book, quite a comic style book, so in a way that was another mm. facet, uh, you know, the seriousness of the subject, but to sort of make it um, like a comic sort of book style. Yeah. So it was interesting Sorry, that she kind of felt that to make it contemporary, contemporary. and to engage people, maybe uh, she had to move a little bit away from yes. her specialist Romanian subject yes. uh, and look at something that people could relate with. Yes. <laughs> Which, in, you know, we didn't ask her to do so, but no. she felt naturally yes. that she had to do so. Yes. And, and also, well, I mean, there, there was to be or is to be uh, not only was the book, but then she got this, you know, she got this idea of the audio. So hopefully, when the book finally does get found, <coughs> then she's got the audio behind that to um, to engage the sound of a riot, because you know, <coughs> a, a riot is not is not silent. The first thing you think of a riot situation, you know, is, is the noise, um, you know, is the sound, the audio element as a, as another feature of. Of the engagement. Yeah. So, has anyone had any questions? Hi, Chloe. <laughs> um, I was actually wondering um, how you're going to take this forward. I guess, I mean, uh, practically, I understood the challenges of uh, having a, an international project when, you know, you're in different countries, but this is more about the practicalities of it. I think uh, from the beginning there was a thought of uh, using it all almost as an experiment to then think of other ways that we might kind of think about how research might be translated. The, you know, we are okay, exhibition experts, or we work on exhibition and museums, but you could easily work with filmmakers, you could easily work with um, other researchers or other professionals, or other uh, you know colleagues that we have might, we have met through this uh, project to really think of uh, how this could be done. For, for instance, uh, uh, on you know at a different scale, this is quite you know uh, a small exhibition, but this could be done you know much much bigger exhibition, maybe not displayed here. Because you know we we are aware that in the end uh, the audiences the the different audiences so wider audiences that we may attract are still university um, kind of students academics uh, uh, so you know there is a limitation there and we are aware of it uh, but I guess for us this is uh, actually a platform on which we can build something wider uh, and more impactful hopefully. Um, but I think that was, you know, uh, in in the background from the beginning, you know, the idea of this is an experiment and that we will see. And I, as we were saying, <coughs> I think we are still quite embedded in the in the process. At the moment, it's really difficult to, uh, first of all, think of, you know, what we are going to do next in terms of the next project. But, uh, you know, the prob probably one of the more kind of traditional way of disseminating is going to be writing a paper together and then for, for us the filming really is mm -hmm. very important uh, and you know 
So, and we kind of really willing to listen for, you know, your ideas, if you have ideas of how this might be taken forward. I think sharing ideas of, of how to do impact and how to measure impact as well, I mean, that's one thing we haven't currently done for this exhibition, is think of a way of how we can measure the impact it's having on, on its audience. And that's one thing I'm going to hopefully be doing in the next few weeks. Um, I was thinking about doing, like, a response card or something similar along the lines to capture um, people's experiences of the project as a whole because on some of the displays there are opportunities for people to make comments, to reflect on their experiences. So it would be really interesting to collect those in as well and, and see what kind of comments people are making. But we have asked some questions as well on our introductory panel as you come in. So to find a way of answering those questions and collecting responses back from people I think would be important as well. So we can practice what we preach really and, <laughs> and sort of start thinking about the impacts. Um, but I think going back to something Serena said earlier about building impact into a project from the beginning, I think that's one thing that we in museum studies can share because the research projects that we do here, we build an impact from the beginning and with the REF and the increasing impact on knowledge exchange and being collaborative and thinking of innovative and creative ways of measuring impact as well with all your different audiences, I think there's lots that we can do and also work with other people from other disciplines and come up with even better ways and, and different ways of doing that. Should we finish there? I think everyone looks like they need a glass of wine now. So. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Should we? Thank you so much. Well, that was the discussion last Thursday. Hopefully that piqued some of your interest in the research and translation exhibition project if you would like to find out more you can have a look at the website just research and translation or one word dot wordpress.com or you can look at the project's twitter account which is at res underscore translation big r big t and of course, the exhibition is available to view in person at the School of Museum Studies, and that will be on until February 2016. I'll also put some information about the participants and links to the Twitter feed and the, the web page, possibly some photographs of the exhibition on our Boundary Objects blog, um, which you can find on our website, www.boundaryobjects.com. Org. Um, if you would like to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. Please tweet us at Boundary Objects, big B, big O. And you can also email us at info at boundaryobjects, all one word, dot org. Okay, well, that's all from me this week. We'll be back with the fourth episode of the Boundary Objects uh, podcast very soon in the meantime if you have any comments please do get in touch if you have any suggestions um, of topics that you would like us to talk about and to cover uh, please do let us know uh, so from me on this saturday night in leicester uh, goodbye <laughs>